This is a presentation of Dawn Forge Productions. You're listening to All Things Azroth, episode 227. They call them heroics for a reason. You're listening to All Things Azeroth. Your World of Warcraft podcast. With your hosts, Midros and Shade. And welcome back to another exciting and thrilling All Things Azeroth, your World of Warcraft podcast. And I am your host, Medros. With me, again, we're back together. Hey, Shit, how you doing? Hey, that intro is so... I don't know. I, I don't know what to say about that intro. It makes me, like, every time I hear it, it makes me think that we should be, like, galloping on wild ponies, like, with pole arms or something over our heads swinging it people it is it is an epic you know you know awe-inspiring intro i think it definitely rocks i know but it goes from like and then i'm like hey how you doing you know there's just a contrast there i don't know it just seems a little weird i like it though indeed indeed so how has your week been uh confined I think it's probably the best way I can put it so got, you got a bit of snow we got snow we didn't get a lot of snow we just got enough snow because the way that my house works is we have this circular driveway right one side of the driveway is much higher than the other side and the lower half of that driveway is where the carport and the cars are everything there that's that's where the house is at is on the lower portion of the driveway so if it snows enough that you get the snow and then it freezes and then you get the ice you literally cannot drive your car up the hill to get out of the driveway that's been my week <laughs> wow yeah sounds sounds like fun um i've gotten a lot of cleaning done and some baking i made banana bread when, when do i get my banana bored. bread um i don't know <laughs> whenever i bake it right i got to ship you i i got to ship you your thing if, if you can wait a few days for me to go get some bananas, I'll make you some banana bread. Put it in with your shipment. Well, let's see. I've only waited how long for my Murloc Stein and my mug and I know, my Christmas gift I from know. you? <laughs> I can throw some banana bread in there, though. I make really good banana bread. I left a note for my dad and because I, I made it late at night, and I cut off the end of it just to test it. You know, because you had to make sure it came out okay. So I left him a note and I said, I've tested the banana bread and I deem it delicious. It's over there. Have some. And I get up the next morning and I go out to the uh, kitchen and my dad has written a reply on the note and it's just two words I agree. <laughs> and I look and like half of the loaf of banana bread is already gone. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I guess it turned out good. Anyway, how you been, Medros? Um, well, let's see. It's been a couple of weeks since I've been on the show. Uh, and, I was going to say, uh, you're back from your vacation. Sorry? You're back from your vacation. Uh, yes, I, I am back from the uh, wilds of Dauphin, Manitoba, and uh, 
had a really well, really nice vacation, relaxing, and really enjoyed my my time away from the city. Met some of my fiance's friends who were also in town for their holidays, and cool. uh, got some engagement photos taken, and uh, really enjoyed my time. Got lots of really cool stuff. Uh, I, I'm sure everybody in the chat room has already seen the awesome uh, the awesome picture that I uh, uh, posted of my dragon that I got for Christmas. Let me just uh, get that here for who. You got a dragon for Christmas? I did. Was it like a big dragon? Well, I would say it's probably a foot and a half tall. Uh, it's over a sort of a glowing ball. It has uh, batteries and stuff. Oh, cool. It was really awesome. I really enjoyed I really enjoyed it. Uh, I wish I, I've actually had some people who have actually asked about it. Uh, they want to get one of their own. Unfortunately, I have not yet found the uh, the creator of it. So, oh, but uh, let me just get a picture of it from here for my twit pick for those I who could, like, are interested. If I could pony up the money, I would totally send you my Deathwing standy. <laughs> um, I don't think I could fit your Deathwing standy in my apartment. Sure, you could. You could. You could pin it to the ceiling. Um, that's what I'm considering doing because I have no room. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, I got lots of lots of presents. I got 24 one liter Pepsi's, Diet Pepsi's. I got some WoW minis, which came with a cool. uh, loot code for a foam sword rack. <gasps> Lucky, those things are awesome. Those I, got, are infinite. I got a Goblin Weather Machine. Apparently, the uh, the sword racks are infinite, so. Yeah, yeah. No, you can p- keep putting them down, and like anybody can grab them and start whacking each other with them. They're really fun. There's this one guy on my server who has them, and um, he puts them down like every now and again. Just he'll get a wild hair and just stick them in a crowded area, and pretty soon you'll see like 20 people whacking each other with foam swords, <laughs> just running around. <laughs> They're super fun. <laughs> MacGyver thinks that the Griffin hatchling that is next to the d- the dragon on my on my desk here could own the dragon. Pwn the dragon. Oh yeah. Um, yes, because he's right next to my Griffin. I also got the uh, the Essential Sunwell collection, which is the uh, the mangas. Um, got oh, that. Yeah? Got that for cool. my fiance. I got uh, uh, a book, a dragon book. The Sunwell trilogy was interesting. I have mixed res- mixed responses to it. I thought that the concept behind it was interesting. I don't know if it was as well executed as yeah. it could have been. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. You should like it. Um, well, actually, I've actually already read it. Oh, yeah? It, it, this is just to... Like, I, I've read it. I don't know what happened to my, my copies. They're, oh, they're so somewhere this is like a new copy. Yeah, it's just having them all in one. Did you like it? Um, I did enjoy it. Um, I didn't enjoy the year between each issue or whatever, but... Yeah, well, I mean, I didn't get it when it originally came out. The first one came out, um, I think it was just as Burning Crusade launched. The second one came out as we were heading into the Sunwell uh, patch. Uh, or no, like, I think it was... It was before that. Well, it was before that, but like this, the third one that I actually saw, you know, finished up the trilogy came out after the Sunwell um patch came out and we already knew the end of the story it's like great so we know that she dies before we know that what happens in the book that tells while she got there like it was in my opinion one of the failures of blizzard in the timeliness of their their works 
Yeah, and I think that they've kind of learned from that a little bit, though, because, I mean, like, the Shattering novel, it came out right on time. Like, it came out at the perfect time, like, right before the patch, and everybody had a chance to sit down and read it before the patch hit, so they kind of knew what was going on, if they wanted to read the book. But, I mean, it was available, and that was a pretty good window. Um, the Arthas book, I think they could have come out with the Arthas book a little bit sooner, but it was still, it was a really good book. I, I can't wait to see her next one. Her next one is, like, what is it? Thrall and the Aspects or something like that. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, Thrall, Twilight of the Aspects. Twilight of the Aspects, yeah. And I'm interested in seeing what that one's all about. But I'm pretty sure that that one will be released sometime, you know. It seems like the way that they're lining those up is they're releasing them a couple of months, like a month to a couple months before a major patch. So yeah. I'm crossing my fingers that we'll see something cool. I, I think it'll be interesting to see where they go with the books and... uh it's it's very cool. So, um, yeah. also this week, uh, just just uh, this past Saturday, just before the Group Quest podcast recorded, I also launched sort of a, essentially a new company to head all of the podcasts I do, as well as to bring other podcasts uh, to life through, and that's called Dawn Forge Productions. I hinted, I think it was last time I was on, that people should follow the Dawn Forge uh, account on Twitter, which is Dawn, which is simply Dawn Forge. I've hinted at people that they should check out different sites here and there, and they're all part of the same thing, which is, uh, again, the dawnforge.com. And Dawnforge Productions will be the, the company that that is creating all things Azeroth as well as GroupQuest, and uh, I'm already in discussions with several other people to create podcasts on that network, and uh, cool. it should be very cool. I'm really excited about it, and uh, um, there, there's also a photography side of it, which will be my photography and what I do there. It's really, really going to be an awesome... Uh, effort and uh i think it'll be great to be able to help other people realize their dreams as podcasters as well that would be cool yeah uh so again anybody who wants more information on that definitely check out the dawnforge.com mm -hmm. and uh again thank you to razorbug rzpg in our chat room when he's there he's not there right now i don't think mm -hmm. uh but when he's there he's the he's the one who created our logo for us so we're cool. very thankful to him so we don't have an ad this week Running free, free falling. Okay, anyway. Yes, unfortunately, so is our bank account. So that's not quite uh -oh. too good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, we, we have lots of news and, and stuff to talk about. First off, though, I do want to get to uh, our first voicemail. We have two voicemails this week. Okay. And I'm going to play them in the order they came in. Uh, so the first voicemail is from our friend Xander. This came in around the 21st of December. So okay. uh, it's a bit dated, but uh, let's see what he has to say. It's fine. Hey, Medros and Jade. It's your good friend Xander the Moneylender. I know it's been a while since I've given you guys a call, and I apologize. You know, life is a little bit more hectic now. and don't have a whole lot of free time just driving, you know, on my car and stuff. So uh, anyway, got a couple of questions for you. Uh, first question is, uh, how exactly do you um, level up your guild? I mean, we've, we've got a small little guild, the Harry Hooligan Tribe, uh, on Crush Ridge U.S., and uh, we're, we're desperately recruiting uh, leveling players, uh, and we're trying to get all of the, uh, the guild achievements and so on. But, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out how exactly we're, we're supposed to get our guild leveled up. Uh, you know, we, we recruited at level 60 and we watched our, uh, our 
guild or whatever drop in uh, getting to that level one. So I'm just curious to see if you'd be able to explain how exactly you level up your guild. Uh, the other question that I had was how do you guys feel about one of uh, the guild rules that we have, uh, and that is that uh, in order to become uh, an officer in the guild or an experienced player in the guild to have a little bit more access to the guild bank is pretty much what the uh, what that will give you, uh, is we, uh, we as officers have decided that uh, a player has to show us their core hound in order to uh, get to that nevel- next level in uh, in the guild. Uh, and, of course, the core hound shows that they have an authenticator, which means that they won't get hacked. Uh, we actually had a player, uh, once he read that rule, uh, he dropped uh, being in the guild because he said he didn't want to spend any more money for a game that he already spent money to play. So I'm just curious as to how you guys feel about that. Uh, I know that I'm I'm very uh, grateful for the authenticator that I won on your show, uh, geez, a year or so back, and I very much appreciate it. And uh, I know that uh, because of that, my my uh, account has has not been hacked, but uh, I have seen the attacks that have been done on my account. So uh, anyway, those are my two questions uh, for for the upcoming week. Appreciate your show. Love to hear it. Uh, hopefully you'll be able to get on the live show and uh, be in the chat room once again. And uh, take care, and uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Well, uh, let's see here. The first question was about guild leveling. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically by doing dungeons with, um, I think it's a, a five-man, you have to have at least three guildies. Is that right? I, I believe that's what it was. I think it's three. might be four. I'm not sure. But yeah, you have to do it in a guild group to run the dungeons. Um, just basic leveling will get you guild experience. Used to be that achievements would get you guild experience. They nixed that because there were people that were getting achievements and leveling their guilds way too fast in Blizzard's opinion. But it's pretty much anytime you do anything in the game, really, I mean, anything that gets you experience or honor or anything like that, you're gonna. Some of that's gonna go towards guild experience. Yeah, it looks like it looks like a, a group must be composed of at least seventy five percent guild members to count. Uh, so I mm-hmm. believe that would require yeah. you to have four of five. Okay. Anyway, um, but the way that it works is you just go through, you level, you do whatever it is you usually do when you're online. So if you've got players that are leveling through content and that kind of thing, that's going to contribute to your guild experience. Obviously, if you have more people that are leveling, your your guild is going to gain experience a little bit faster. But um, there is a cap to how much experience you can get per week. And once you hit that cap, you stop gaining experience for the guild until the following week. Um, you could check and see what your guild experience cap is at and how much guild experience you need um, to hit that cap by just going to the guild look on your guild pane. It'll tell you right at the top. You can mouse over the little bar that shows what level your guild is at. Is it a per day cap? Hastor's saying it's a per day cap. Okay. Uh, Guild leveling is per day. Guild rep is per week. Yeah, guild rep is weekly. I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't know where my brain is. Yeah, guild rep is like a weekly thing and you hit the cap for that. Uh, guild rep, you get guild rep by turning in quests or doing anything that gets you honor or experience. So doing dailies and things like that, you'll get guild rep doing um, dungeon runs and things like that. When you kill a boss, you'll get some guild rep. Um, once you've hit level 85, it's harder to get guild rep. 
um, while you're leveling, you'll notice that you'll hit that guild rep cap real quick. But yeah, the experience cap, it's there so that people can't just book it to level 25 with their guild by inviting, you know, 250 people and having them all level at once. And that's pretty much how that works. It's not... Really, that, that's how guild, guild leveling works. And there's actually a, a really good guide up at uh, the Wowpedia site. Does it go over the actual mathematics behind it? Because I was always kind of curious about, like, how much experience doing a particular activity will give you does it have the mechanics behind it let me just see here it does not yeah Olwyn is saying in the chat channel and this is actually helpful he said in your chat settings tab you can turn on guild xp in the other category to see when you get the xp for your guild and i'm assuming it shows you how much you get too yeah so i mean if you want to kind of track it that way that's a good way to track it yeah, I, I thank you Olwyn. what i heard was about that quests give you about 10% of your uh, XP towards guild XP, I believe, but I may be wrong on yeah. that. Uh, it doesn't uh, doesn't really show the math behind it, uh, as far as I can see here. I wish they had the math behind it posted somewhere, because I'm, I'm kind of interested in knowing yeah. exactly, you know what the percentages are, that kind of thing. But yeah, it's it's like a percentage of whatever experience you gain goes to the guild. Well, obviously, when you're at your experience cap, then it translates to doing dailies or getting honor points, that kind of thing. Anything that would award you that. Yeah, the daily cap on guild XP is 6.246 million XP. Okay. The guild rep cap is 3,500 Malgara is saying in the chat channel that right now a single dungeon run with five guildies gets you about halfway through the guild XP cap. So, running five-man dungeons with your guild, like mm. doing groups, that seems to be a pretty good way to get it. Now, <laughs> uh, what I'm curious about, since I've noticed that quests at lower levels get you less, do, like, if I was to run dead mines with, with four other guildies that are level 20, does that give also the same amount, or is it just high-level 85? I think probably the higher level you get, the more experience you get. Because you're looking at... Well, I mean, you're looking at running... Okay, running a guild group like Deadmines, the amount of uh, experience you get from Deadmines, it may seem really big to you at level 20, but it's really not that much experience. And if you're only getting 10% of that experience that you're getting, you're getting a very small fraction. Whereas if you're doing something level 85... The amount of experience that you would get from killing a boss at level 85 is considerably larger, so you get a bigger chunk. Yeah, unfortunately, Heroes of Lordaeron is a fairly small guild still, but uh, for anybody wanting to join, that's Heroes of Lordaeron Alliance side on Argent Dawn US. We are currently at rank 2. We, we really hope to get rank 3 soon, because that'd be cool. Um, but yeah, guild advancement is is one of those things that is very confusing to a lot of people, but it should be fairly easy for people to understand once more guilds are getting out there with that. Yeah, the perks are kind of cool. They're definitely not like game-breaking or anything. I, like I said, my guild is at level 8 now. Um, the faster Hearthstone cooldown, that one's pretty fun. But, I mean, most of the other stuff you don't really consciously notice. Um, the like the boost to reputation gain you kind of notice but it's a very small percentage it's like you get an extra five percent so it's just like a few more reputation points when you're grinding reputation i imagine as we get into the higher levels that's when it'll start getting oh wow there's some really good perks in there but the lower levels i mean it, there's cool stuff in there but it's nothing really to write home about so there's a lot of really cool 
things you can buy with guild leveling and guild advancement to grow your reputation. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, all of them require an achievement to get. So if you go to the guild vendor and you see nothing on them, that means you haven't got any achievements yet. Just keep working at it. Yeah, it's either achievements or um, some guild, you know, when you hit a certain level, you'll get something unlocked in the bank. Um, but, yeah, most of it is through achievements. Um so you don't get experience by doing the guild achievements, but you do get cool items and stuff. So it is worth it to do those achievements just for that. Um, as far as his other question, though, he was talking about making it, you had to show a core hound to get access to the guild bank. It's, it's an interesting plan, but it has some flaws. First off, people can remove their authenticators at any time. And unless you're going to make somebody on every single login show their 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 core hound before they can get promoted is really not going to work as a long-term long-term plan for security there is a there is an option to even turn on that will um force any player in that rank to have an authenticator or they get demoted to the next rank that does not require that unfortunately it's a flawed it's a highly yeah, flawed feature of the uh of the current guild controls they kind of need to tweak it a little bit. Um, I don't think personally that it's a bad idea to to require someone to have an authenticator to do stuff like that because I mean all you're doing is you're protecting your guild, you're protecting your guild bank and if people can't see the validity of that, well then probably they shouldn't be in your guild in the first place. Authenticators, yeah they do cost a little bit money particularly if you're out of the country Um, but you can, if you have a cell phone um, I think on both on the iPhones and then also on Android, there's mm-hmm. a free authenticator that you can download. You download it, you put it on your account, you have your Corehound, and you don't have to pay a dime. Um, and honestly, having the ability to prevent, you know, my account from being tampered with is worth the, you know, five bucks or however much it is to get the authenticator. I mean, yeah, sure, you can choose not to have it, but. If you've invested a lot of time into the game, then why wouldn't you? You know, really, I really wish that the, you know, requiring a guild, uh, or getting, requiring an authenticator um, to log in or to have have access to certain levels of, uh, uh, of ranks in your guild, I think that's a great idea. It's a great feature, but I really wish it was not flawed. Like, right now... Certain characters in our guild can't be promoted to that level, even though they have an authenticator on their account. And I've GM ticketed, and they've admitted that it's a problem, and they're trying to work on it, and they'll fix it as soon as they can. But they don't have an estimate of when that's going to be fixed. So that feature doesn't is is not one that really works very well. And the method he he explained also doesn't work very well because it's very easy to just show it one show the core hound once and then you know remove the authenticator the next day the thing the thing about the authenticators and the thing about the core hounds and things like that is it's still not a 100% guaranteed you know possibility that your account is never going to be hacked um there were cases of people um brute forcing their way into people's accounts and those accounts did have authenticators on them um that was quite a problem a while back i haven't heard anything on it recently so it may be that blizzard has cracked down on it but you know keep in mind that even with an authenticator it is possible 
to get your account hacked. So just be careful. Be careful when you're logging in. Be careful when you're on your websites and things like that. Don't click on any freaky links. Definitely don't click on any email that says that it's officially from Blizzard, blah, blah, blah. Um, if it's announcing something that has to do with your account, go to Battle.net, log in. You should see something on your account reflecting that, if that is the case. Um, it's just, it's common sense, really. It's, it has a lot to do with common sense. Don't make your password password. <laughs> Don't make it something that's easy to remember, you know, that anybody could guess. And, yeah, authenticators, that gives you, like, a little bit of added protection. Plus, the Gorehound's kind of cute, so that's what I think about that. All right, and we do have a second email, or a second voicemail here. This is from Mark. Hey, all things Azeroth. This is Firefighter Mark. I just wanted to call in and uh, wish both of you a wonderful uh, New Year. Uh, missed you, Medros, on uh, the last podcast. And uh, I wanted to thank you guys for a wonderful 2010. Look forward to more of all things Azeroth in 2011. And um, I'm absolutely loving Cataclysm. Take care. Bye. Thank you very much. Well, that was pretty short and sweet. <laughs> Always nice to hear from our listeners and 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 have them wish us uh, great New Year's and so and so on. So, thank you very much, Mark. We're in 2011 now. That's so weird. I can't wait for 11, 11, 11. I just think that's going to be a cool day. <laughs> I, I we already had one one eleven. So, all right. Uh, so we do have a bit of news. And now the news from around the world. Warcraft. First off, uh, let us talk a little bit about, well, wah, wah, heroics are too difficult. People have been complaining, and I even, there was a thread on the forums that were, that was kind of entertaining where somebody was saying, if you think that heroics are too hard, everybody should just cancel their accounts until Blizzard makes it easier again. And the Blues came back and said, uh, no, we're not going to do that, and here's why. Heroics are more difficult. Yes, they are. They are intended to be more difficult. If if a game presents no challenge, what is the point in playing that game? You know what I mean? Yeah. And people got so used to, at the, especially by the end of Wrath, just face-rolling their way through content, that the only really challenging fights were possibly Halls of Reflection, you know, the Ice Crown Citadel dungeons... And even those got easier as people learned them. And then the Ice Crown Citadel raids, e even the raids themselves, you know, pugs were going through and finishing everything fairly quickly. Um, Lich King still presented a challenge to some people. Putricide presented a small challenge. Uh, Cindergosa presented a challenge to people because it's all about movement and placement and that kind of thing. And you actually have to watch and pay attention to things. But other than those fights, most content could be blown through without even thinking about it. And people got so couched in the fact that the game was so easy that they figured it would remain that easy forever. Yeah. It's not. It's not going to stay that easy. Because, again, what is the point of playing a game if there's no challenge to that game? You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know... As far as I'm concerned, if people quit because they think the game is too hard, I'm not particularly going to miss those people. 
because those are the people that go into dungeons and they don't CC or they break CC or they complain about this, that, the other, and they're generally unpleasant to be around. <laughs> and I don't know, maybe that makes me an elitist or something, but I, I'd like to think it makes me not an elitist, but somebody that enjoys playing a game that's got some sort of challenge to it. You know, I just don't see my point or a point in in spending my time on something where, you know, I can log in and do virtually anything and get all kinds of cool stuff. Well, where's the challenge in that? Where's the fun in that? There's no fun in that. The fun comes in encountering something that's difficult and then overcoming it. And once you've overcome it, then yay, hooray, bells and whistles, cool, get the loot, all this other stuff. You know, that's cool, but. Yeah, I, you know, if people think that Cataclysm heroics are hard, they should have been there in Burning Crusade when the first heroics came out. Yeah. Because let me tell you, <laughs> there was, um, in particular, I remember the Tempest Keep, the five-man dungeons in Tempest Keep, had something like a 15-minute respawn timer. So you basically had one shot to clear to the boss... And if you wiped on that boss, you got to look forward to clearing all of that trash again. And if you look at the trash in, like, Botanica, um, multiply that by two, because that's how much trash used to be in that instance. Blizzard nerfed the heck out of it, because they realized that they were making these places nigh impossible to play. And we beat them, we went in and we beat them, but it was sheer torture you know, the whole way through. Cataclysm compared to that, yes, it's slightly more difficult. It takes a little bit more thinking, but it's definitely not on the scale of Burning Crusade. So shut up. <laughs> I, I, I don't have much more to say than that, really. I, I don't think that there's really anything that they can be complaining about. There's a few bosses that are a little more difficult than others, but none of them are really, I mean, impossible to beat. I have yet to run into anything that was impossible to beat. Really, the the key point people need to remember is they're called heroics. Yeah, if you want to go face roll something, go run a regular dungeon. It's fine. You know, Honestly, I will fully admit I have not run a single dungeon in Cataclysm yet. Not I yet. Do it in beta, and I and I haven't done it in live. They're fun. Um, because I'm, I have a bunch of characters I'm still leveling. I've got a worgen. I've got a priest that I want to get to eighty-five. I have three other eighties that I haven't leveled very much. I've got my druid who's eighty-three and uh, just finished Hyjal. You know, I've got lots of stuff I still want to do. Take it at your own pace. It's cool that you're taking it at your own pace. Everybody should be taking it at their own pace. But there are a lot of people that expected to hit level 85, maybe one run one round of regular dungeons, and then go into heroics and have everything handed to them. Yeah. That's not going to happen. You actually have to work to get the reward, you know. Chris Blatt says, with the connect hack, I can now face roll much more comfortably. <laughs> Just wriggle your face back and forth. We should, speaking of Kinect, yes. we should talk about that. The Microsoft Kinect. Now, for those who have been living under a rock and have not heard of Microsoft Kinect, let me briefly explain what it is. It basically takes a picture of you every few microseconds and figures out where your body changed and what you're doing, and then it basically sends commands to the unit that is connected to to 
Uh, basically say, this is what you want to do next, and this is what you need to be doing, and it basically connect for connection to the micro to the uh, Microsoft Xbox 360. Well, since it came out, it's been hacked a lot. <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean, pretty much what it does is basically makes you the controller. It's a the way I explained it to my dad because my dad was watching a commercial for this, right? And there was some gal who was all woo woo, I'm crazy, I'm dancing, da 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 da, you know. And he was like, "How is she doing that?" And having it, and I said, "There's a camera on the TV." And the camera's recording it, recording her, and telling the computer, you know, this is what she's doing, and it's processing it in real time with the game movement. And he goes, well, I'll be damned. Yeah. <laughs> he thought it was pretty cool. I, I thought it was pretty cool, too. But the cool part was... In my opinion, the Kinect has the potential to be what the Wii never ended up being, because it actually does require you to actually do ex- do something. You can't just move your hand around yeah. to, to mimic movement. Yeah. Well, I think the Wii was kind of the stepping stone to what the oh, Kinect for sure, is. For so, sure. I mean, yeah, yeah, it, it it was definitely I'm I'm interested in seeing how video games progress particularly in the next 10-15 years because when they start coming out with stuff like this and making it available to people like that, it's it opens a whole lot of doors. For sure. And, and potentially changes how gameplay is going to happen. And I mean, I remember sitting in front of... I'm going to date myself here, right? Okay? I remember sitting in front of a TV with a joystick playing Frogger on the Atari, yeah. right? <laughs> and I, and I, I thought, wow, it's never going to get any better than this, you know? Then they came out with Nintendo, and I'm like, wow, this controller's really cool. And then PlayStation had an even better controller, and it fit better in your hand, and... Now they've got, you know, stuff like the Wii. I tried playing the Wii at my sister's house. I, I totally couldn't get the hang of it. I think if I had a chance to practice with it a little bit, I'd be able to use yeah. it better. But it's really kind of disheartening when my four-year-old nephew can use the controller better than I can. I actually thought, like, PlayStation Move and Microsoft Connect would actually be part of, like, the next gen of their consoles. I didn't think they'd bring it out with their current gen. No, I didn't expect them to come out with this something like this so soon, especially, you know, since they just introduced the Wii a couple of years ago. So um, the Kinect is really entertaining. But, yeah, you were talking about hacks. Um, people have hacked into this and, you know, figured out different things that they could do with their Kinect. And there were there was this group of uh, researchers. It was uh, University of Southern California, wasn't it? Institute for Creative Technologies, I want to say. I do believe so, yeah. That developed this. What they came out with this is this uh, program that that it's uh, f- called FAST, and it stands for Flexible Action and Articulated Skeleton Toolkit. And basically, what it does is it configures movement to keyboard movement. So what they did was they made a way to make the Connect work with World of Warcraft, where you can do a gesture and it'll it it corresponds to a keyboard command. So you can sit there and wave your hands and cast spells and things as long as you're waving your hand in the right way. If you wave your hand left, it's like, you know, I'm waving it left, I'm going to cast Frostbolt. And so you wave your hand left, and the Kinect says, okay, hit the button for Frostbolt, you know, keyboard one. And you cast a Frostbolt, or, you know, to target something, you move forward, you know, that kind of thing. I thought that was really neat. Did you see the video for it? I did. I have one question. I asked this on the group quest yesterday when we discussed this briefly. I have one question for you. Uh Uh-huh. Does this have any potential for rating? It might. Right now, from what I saw on the video, right, this is a very rudimentary beginning to something that could potentially be very cool. And by very cool, I mean 
you're standing there running in place and your character is running through the game. And it's like you're in Azeroth, right? You, you know, you reach down to pick up loot and you pick up loot, that kind of thing. The reason I say it's in rudimentary stages is because obviously there's a limited number of gestures that you can do to, to do different keybinds and things like that. And for characters like healers that have a lot of different buttons that they have to use at different times and you know they have to make snap judgments and things like that in raiding environments I think you would need more versatility than what that program can currently offer I do think that as they develop it further that may come into play where it would be really cool for a raiding environment it would be really cool to fiddle with for a raiding environment I think the idea of using this in a rating then brings me to the, well, which classes or which roles would be better for it? Which ones would really not work very well? I think a healer would really, really not be good for this because you have to be targeting people and, and healing them and then targeting another person and healing. It's just not going to work. But I think a tank would be perfect for this. A tank, yeah, because there's a limited number of things that you do as a tank. Um, there's a limited number of, oh my gosh, buttons that you have to hit. Casting DPS, I, I could see that, you know, casting DPS, generally speaking, well, I don't know. I haven't played a caster in the current Cataclysm situation, so I'm not sure how their rotations have changed and, and how much different spells that they're using, but I know, like, back in Wrath of the Lich King, for a while there, it was like, you know, you have a three-spell rotation and that's what you do. So, I mean, I could see it working with that. Melee... Maybe for melee, yeah, I could see it working. Um, I would love to do it on my rogue. I think it'd be cool if I kicked my foot and I actually kicked the mob. <laughs> I think that'd be great. <laughs> I want them. To, I want to see them do more with it. I definitely want to see them do more with it. Um, I think that this is just the beginning of something that could potentially be really, really, really cool. And it's already cool. You know what I mean? I, I think the Connect in, in, in WoW and other games would definitely be very interesting. I'm not sure it has all the the stuff that it needs. Like, are you going to sit down when you to eat, eat, and, eat and drink? Like, I would need to see more information and see more examples of a real-world gameplay of this and, and see further progressions for it to be believable as a possibility. Well, like I said, right now it seems like from that small video that we saw... It's kind of in its rudimentary stages where it's workable. It's not perfect, but it's workable. And I could definitely see them refining it into something where, you know, maybe if you sit down in front of the Connect, you'll sit down and drink something, or you'll sit down and eat something. You know, as 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 the technology progresses, it's just right now it's in its very beginning stages. But I'm I'm excited about it. I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> I, I I'm very excited about it. We'll we'll have to see it, how it pans out as uh, as it's progressively iterated upon and, and and improved yeah so how did you enjoy your warcraft your your world of warcraft in-game gift what oh the little mini zeppelin yes um it's pretty cool i was kind of bummed that there wasn't like an achievement associated with it because honestly nine times out of ten i i don't even hang on to the unless it's a pet if it's a pet i'll i'll use it you know i'll, I'll use it, learn it, put it in my little staple of pets because I have a stupid number of pets. Um, but if it's something like this where it's just like a remote control thing, nine times out of ten I'll use it for a couple of weeks and then I'll toss it for the bank space because I know I can pick it up again next year. <laughs> well, no, they they change it every time. Yeah, they do, but I mean, you can get... Well, yeah, 
Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's pretty cool. I like the fact that it, it's basically, it's like the little GoBot thing, you know, the Tonks, where it sets down mines and things like that, except it's a Zeppelin, so it's all 3D. You can set down mines in the middle of the air. I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> I had no idea what they were going to come out with this year. Like, I hadn't heard a peep from yeah. the data miners uh, as far as what would, you know, what would be coming out. Pretty cool. I, I, I like mine. I got it on all of my characters I actually play, so that was nice. Mm-hmm. So, you ha- have you had a chance to read over Curse of the Worgen issue 2? I haven't. Um, mainly because, remember that whole driveway issue I was telling you about? Well, you could download it from DC Online. I could, but my local comic shop, which I just discovered when Curse of the Worgen number one came out, has a folder for me now, and Curse of the Worgen 2 is sitting in that folder. And I like to support my local comic shops, so I'm going to go down and get it. Um, I'm hoping I can do that in the next couple of days here and go pick it up. I was really, really looking forward to issue number two because I, well, I talked about issue number one a little bit. It was phenomenal, and it left it on a cliffhanger, and I need my number two. Like, I need it. I'm jonesing for the number two of this. Then I'll, I'll recommend everybody go out and buy it, and we'll talk about it next week <laughs> because yeah, I've we read will. it, and I liked it, and we'll talk about it next week. Yeah, and you can purchase it online, guys. You can go purchase it online if you want to, yeah. if you don't have a local comic book shop, but I would recommend... Just as somebody that's a fan of comics and, and the comic industry, if you have a local comic book shop, like one of those little hole-in-the-wall joints that sells you know, your comics and things like that, go buy it from the comic shop. Show them a little support. A- anytime they sell a comic issue, that's what keeps them in business. So, it, it, It's a really good thing. You can, you can go through Comixology or you can go through the DC website to get that comic. Yeah, and if you want a digital edition, go get a digital edition. It's just as pretty. Um, I personally, I like having it in my hand. I had it in my hand. Anyway. For sure. So <laughs> you you have uh, done some heroics, I imagine. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you... Okay, I asked this on Group Quest. I want to get your opinion before we go into the actual topic behind this. Do you, do you think that we will, in the next month or two, see Chaos Herbs go tradable? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Because Blizzard recently made a change where chaos herbs cannot be rolled as a need unless you're unless you're a crafter. You have if you're a gatherer only prof- only character, you have to have uh, a crafting profession to get the chaos herbs. I'm very confused why they're putting these chaos herbs as BOP. It's really really confusing to me. It's basically so that people can't go in and grab the chaos orbs and drive up the market prices on them. They don't want people selling these things for a profit. They want people to use them for crafting. That's what they're intended for. So by allowing only crafters to roll on the things, they're guaranteeing that crafters are going to be able to craft their stuff. Um, I'm perfectly fine with that. I do think that as with frost orbs... Because back in the beginning of uh, Wrath of the Lich King, if I remember right, Frost Orbs were also BOTP. You couldn't do anything with them, and then they made them tradable later. Um, I I think that they'll do the same thing with Chaos Orbs eventually. It's just, for now, at the beginning of the expansion, it's important that people, you know, get to level their crafting professions. And in some cases, you need the Chaos Orbs to be able to do that. So they're making sure that the chaos orbs are going to where they need to go, which is fine. Um, I got, I got the few that I needed to make the gear that I needed. Um, engineering, I made my goggles, and now I don't even bother rolling on them anymore. I just pass when they come up. I, I could roll on them if I wanted to, but there's no reason to. So, 
why not, you know, let the guild tailor have it, let them make cloth out of it, do something useful with it. See, this is this is what's frustrating for me is I am not doing heroics and I can't make the the gear I want to make because I don't have chaos orbs. And that's really frustrating. Yeah, the way that that works is you find somebody that if there's a piece of gear that you really really want, well then you find somebody that's got the pattern for it, you get the rest of the ingredients that you can gather, give it to them and, you know, they provide the chaos orbs. Usually they do that. You give them a tip. So, so there. I mean, essentially, there. There's no official market for chaos orbs, but there is a value for them. There's a value for them, yeah. Because I mean, if you're a crafter and you've been stockpiling the things so that you can make cloth or something like that, well, then yeah, you can sell the cloth for a profit. Or if you're holding on to chaos orbs so that you can make gear for people, you can charge for a crafting fee for that gear, and that crafting fee will encompass what it took to get the chaos orbs. Because obviously. You had to run the whole heroic. Only one drops in a dungeon, it drops off the last boss. So, you know, if they put in the work to get the Chaos Orb, then yeah, they're going to charge you a little bit for it. I I don't see too much of a problem with that. People aren't charging, at least on my server anyway, they're not charging outrageous fees to put things together. They're being generally pretty nice about it. So I, I do expect that eventually we will see those go to BOE and they'll be tradable, that kind of thing. But not immediately. It's not going to be an immediate thing. It's like the frost orbs. It's it's just like the frost orbs. I don't I don't know why people are kind of up in arms about it. How will we uh, how will we take a break from the news and do trivia? Trivia. Ooh, I do have trivia. I have a trivia question. Good <laughs> idea. <laughs> okay. Hang on. Let me make sure I've got all of my ducks in a row here. So, okay, this week on Know Your Lore, um, I wrote about a very different into- topic entirely. Um, let me put this in the chat room. Do, do, do. Okay, this week on Know Your Lore, I covered something a little bit different, and it involved one of the characters from the starting Forsaken area. Her name is Lillian Voss. Uh, Lillian Voss is one of the newly raised Forsaken, and she's really upset about this. The reason she's upset about this is that she used to be a member of the Scarlet Crusade, and the Scarlet Crusade was absolutely dedicated to eradicating the undead, whether it be Forsaken or Scorch. However, Lillian is definitely not the first Scarlet Crusader to become an undead. Um, The first person, you can find him in-game. He is available. You can even kill him in-game, and he will drop loot. So, uh, I'm looking for the name of that guy, and just to drop you guys a hint, he is available. You can find him in an instance. Very close to where Lillian Lillian Voss makes her appearance. So I'm looking for the name of the first undead Scarlet Crusader. (laughs) Ooh, and they're thinking hard about this one. Yeah, I didn't make it easy this week, guys. Sorry. Lemurk, it's definitely not Thomas Thompson, although that was a very good guess. Thomas Thompson is the Headless Horseman. This was prior to the Headless Horseman. And I do want his full name. He does have a title, so I do need his title listed along with his name. <laughs> Hastor, not quite. A little bit off. No, he's got he's got the right idea, though. Same time period. We are clear to award that prize. We are. Okay. So um, we did get a winner. The winner was Rasseru, who said, Hi, Inquisitor Fairbanks. Fairbanks was originally High Lord Mograine's advisor. And way back at the beginning, when everything was first formed, 
you're looking at um, what happened was he was murdered. And after he was murdered, he was murdered and he was infected with the plague. He came back and they imprisoned him in the Scarlet Monastery. So you can find him in the Scarlet Monastery today. Um, I don't know if he still drops loot or not. But anyway, Rosero, if you want to go ahead and drop me an email at uh, shade at allthingsazroth.com. Actually, first I need you to pick a number. Um, pick a number between 1 and 6 for me. Rosero picked four. Okay, um, grats to Rosero. You have won a party grenade loot code. That's courtesy of WowTCGLoot.com. Um, pretty good website to go to if you're looking for any kind of loot code from the WoW trading card game. Uh, they've got them listed at reasonable prices, and then, you know, if you can't find it there, they've got the eBay listings for them, too. So, uh, yeah, shoot me an email, shade at allthingsazeroth.com, and I will get you your loot, co- loot code uh, after the show is over. Let's play our next uh, segment, or our only segment this week, and that is uh, from uh, Skullnook. So roll out your, your roll out your yoga mats and let's do a little traveling. Yay! We missed him last week. <laughs> For sure. Warcraft Less Traveled A World of Warcraft time capsule dedicated to the exploration and discovery within WoW. Tecton and the Robotic Sheep Farm of Aggie Tyler. The new year is upon us all, and I had every intention of starting off this year by showcasing a less traveled destination from the Outlands, yet instead I've decided there's another location from the old world that couldn't wait another week. Many months ago, Warcraft Less Traveled featured the exploration of the Elwyn Forest waterfall and fishing camp hidden north of the Northshire Abbey. This very interesting site was difficult to reach before flying mounts were introduced into Cataclysm and was one of the essential places to visit for explorers of less-traveled Azeroth. As part of the original Elwyn Forest waterfall location, a solitary cabin could be seen high above the waterfalls, but a means of reaching this mountaintop cabin from the lower fishing camp was practically impossible. With Cataclysm, things have changed and so has our luck. Anyone willing to ride their mounts into the high mountains east of Stormwind can find if you know where to look, this cabin, and more. The mountain cabin is the home to a strange gnome named Aggie Tyler, a sheep farm, and most interesting of all, a single robotic sheep called Tecton. But first, let's talk about the best means of getting there. Alliance Faction can start off by finding the Stormwind Keep's highest spire at coordinates 85-33 and traveling due east. Alternately, all player factions can fly north of the Northshire Abbey into the High Mountains. The cabin in Hidden Sheep Farm is found in the zone titled Elwyn Forest at coordinates 50.5-14.0. As you near this cabin, it becomes clear that it is a sheep farm. The white dots of the sheep are easily seen on the mountaintop as you near it. When you arrive, you'll see a one-room cabin that rests at the edge of a very high cliff. Inside, a solitary gnome sits in front of a roaring fireplace. His name is Aggie Tyler, and he's a friendly level 80 NPC who appears very content with his life of sheep herding. But is that truly all he's up to secluded here in the mountains? Outside of the cabin, a small mountain plateau contains about 22 sheep, and I get a feeling that Tyler the Gnome can experience a nice, calm life up here, watching these peaceful woolly creatures wander through the sparse trees here and graze on the green grass. However, one of the sheep is not like the others. All are regular level 3 sheep, except for one that is named Tecton. A closer inspection reveals that Tecton has robotic components protruding from its sides. 
And this begs the question, what kind of odd gnome experiment has Tyler been up to? Neither Tyler nor Tecton the Robotic Sheep responds to any interactions beyond what is expected for regular NPC gnomes or sheep. But there is one thing that can change this. If you target and kill any of the regular sheep, nothing special occurs. Yet, take your best shot at Tecton. If you do, Tecton the Robotic Sheep explodes with a blast that's titled the Tectonic Boom. And this blast does AoE damage to sheep and players near it. You'll surely get launched back into the air and backwards, and if this occurs near a cliff, down you'll go. The damage from a tectonic boom won't kill a level 85 explorer, but those of much lesser levels may not fare quite as well. Here's another fun part. After Tecton is destroyed, the gnome Aggie Tyler comes running from inside the cabin to yell at you, screaming a tirade that begins, Hey, what the heck guy, of all the slimy, inconsiderate, bullheaded... Well, Tyler is angry, and soon he returns to the cabin and no matter how many or which order sheep are killed, Tecton is always the last to appear. This sheep farm and Aggie Tyler appeared with Cataclysm, and as of yet, I cannot find any in-game need for it for questing or achievement purposes. Out of game, however, the inverse of the gnome's name is Tyler Aggie, and with a quick search reveals that this is the name of a Blizzard support assistant. So, once again, developers have placed a hidden location, a curious robot sheep, a fun explosion mechanic, and an out-of-game reference to a Blizzard employee inside Azeroth for all explorers to find. This gives me great hope, and I'm looking forward to uncover more of these less travel locations in the coming year as we all prepare for our showdown with Deathwing. Feel free to send all your show comments and questions to warcraftlesstraveled at gmail.com or listen back to the show archives at warcraftlesstraveled.com. My name is Skolnik, and until next time, remember to travel safe, Beware a tectonic boom when farming for lamb chops, and leave only footprints. Mmm, lamb chops. But I don't, I don't mind lamb chops to go boom. <laughs> that's awesome! I haven't had a chance to look at that, but that is just, that's like, awesome. Oh my gosh, I have to go check that out. <laughs> I didn't know that they... Thank you very much, Skolnik for another enlightening segment. Yes, we missed you last week. I was sad because we didn't have a, a Warcraft Less Traveled last week. This one totally made up for it, though. <laughs> so, let's see, let's see here. If Matt McCurley was here, I'm sure he'd be amply <laughs> able to talk about our next topic. But perhaps you could channel the, the Mr. McCurley and tell us a little bit about the hot fix today to try and discourage wind trading yeah so basically what happened last week we mentioned it on the show last week because the hotfix went into play like as we were doing the show and what they did was they made it so that if you were attacking Tol Barad and you won you got 1800 honor if you were defending Tol Barad and you won you got 180 honor Guess what that does? That encourages people to go, hey, let's go win Tolbarad, and then let's lose Tolbarad, and let the other guys win, and then we can go back and win it again. And that way, everybody can have thousands and thousands of honor and get all the gear that they could possibly ever want, and we don't have to lift a finger. It's called win trading. It's against the TOS. Um, people got into trouble for doing this kind of thing back in the arena days, like the early arena days. Um, they'd go in and do arena matches and, like, go back and forth and basically manipulated the arena system to get people really high rankings for gold and stuff like that. 
uh, people found themselves stripped of their honor and their rank pretty quickly after Blizzard figured out what they were doing. What irritated Matt about it and what irritated me about it was basically by putting that sheer amount of honor on a win, they were pretty much saying, hey guys, come trade wins because it's not worth it if you do it the other way around. It's incredibly difficult to win as an attacker oh, unless yeah. the other side lays down before you. Yeah, it's totally hard. It's really, and it's it's got everything to do with the mechanics of Tolbarad. You know, where you res at, how you capture things. We, we talked about that last week. Well, Blizzard saw the sheer influx of suddenly, wow, it was switching back and forth, alliance to horde, like clockwork on how many different servers? So obviously there was win trading going on. Um, despite them saying, hey guys, that's a no-no, people were still doing it. It comes down to how can you prove that that's exactly what's happening? I mean, how can you prove that win trading is going on? Now on my server, we had several idiots that talked about it in trade chat and were pretty much... <laughs> They were like, hey, guys, let's go ahead and trade wins. And I'm like, uh, it's against the TOS, guys. And they're like, well, how are they going to know about it? I don't know. Maybe the fact that you're talking about it in a public channel that can be moderated by a GM. Hi. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Blizzard caught sight of this, and rather than doing anything else, they applied a hotfix today. You no longer get 1,800 honor for winning Toll Barad. You get 360 honor. Um, 360 honor is pretty much what you would get for winning Tolbarad in the first place and defending it. So, there's no major benefit anymore. There's no reason to win trade anymore. Stop doing it. <laughs> if you won two in a row, you get the same amount as if you won one and lost one. Yeah. Pretty much. And it's easier to just win two in a row. Just win two in a row. Yeah, if you, if you won one as attacker... You want two as a defender, it'd be the same as amount as winning one as the attacker. So there's no really no use in win trading at this point, though you can if you choose to. You can if you choose to, yes, but it's against the TOS, so you shouldn't do it. I agree. Period. Like, just stop doing it. It's dumb, guys. Don't do it. Beyond the fact that win trading is bad and we shouldn't be doing win trading, what does this do to fix Tolbarad? Absolutely nothing. Isn't that delightful? And I know people, especially... Like we mentioned, um, Matt McCurley is still up in arms over this, and so am I, because the balancing issues and how you win and you know how hard it is for an attacker to actually win. It's easy for a defender to, to defend. It's hard for an attacker to actually win. And the way that it's balanced is so off-kilter right now, they haven't done anything to address it. Um, bumping up the amount of honor that an attacker gets... It's basically like them patching a band-aid on it and saying, okay, guys, now this time you should try really, really hard. Well, the thing is, is yeah, you can try really, really hard, but the way the mechanics are put in, it doesn't matter how hard you try, it's still really hard to win Toll Barad when you're attacking it. So they need to do something about it. Now, they did mention that they are looking at Toll Barad very closely and they will be applying some fixes and patches that will address things they haven't been ignoring the situation, so hopefully... The the, the hotfix to making it 1800 is the first thing they had actually done to fix it, which they had to know wasn't going to fix it, and they say they're watching it and they'll, they'll continue to, to, do, to fi do fixes, but they haven't done anything to actually fix it. They haven't applied any hotfixes to fix it. There was a blue post a while back where um, oh, I forget who's talking about it. I'm trying to find it in the tracker list. 
and I can't find it in the tracker list, but um, there was a blue post that said basically, hey, you know, we are looking at the situation. We are not ignoring the situation. It's just taking some time to address in, in the way that we want to address it. So, obviously, me- mechanics tweaking on the scale that Tolperod needs, it's going to take some time for them to figure out how to make it work. Um, I really liked Matt's post on WoW Insider. We mentioned it last week where he was talking about, here's some simple fixes you can do to fix Tolperod. Everything that he listed there was, in- you know, it was reasonable. It didn't seem like it would take a lot of work to get done, but it would tweak things enough that whether you were attacking or defending... You know, you had the same chance either way, and it came down to who was killing who, which is what the PvP should be all about, you know? Yeah. That's what it was back in the old days. I'm on my rocker, on my porch, thinking about Terran Mill and South Shore. (laughs) It's really not fun to have to, you know, fight your way into actually having a problem this big recognized. I really wish that Blizzard had had come up with a solution sooner. I wish that they hadn't let it go to live like this. I'm not sure why they let it go to live like this. Like, they shouldn't... They ju- they shouldn't have bothered opening the battleground if they had noticed that it was going to do this. The thing is, and Matt pointed this out to me, and I think... I don't remember if he pointed it out on the show or not, but he said, the people that were beta testing told Barad, they weren't beta testing how the game was actually supposed to be played, they were beta testing the mechanics. They were like, oh, okay, so if I move the siege engine, then it's going to do this. Guess what? That worked perfectly. No bugs. Da-da-da-da. And they let it go live. But they didn't have people beta testing the actual back-and-forth mechanics of gameplay, you know, attacking, defending, looking at that balance and seeing how that fit. It was sort of like, um, oh, Alterac Valley back in the day. Before they moved the Horde start point, Um, everybody was crying that, you know, the Alliance had a huge advantage or the Horde had a huge advantage, blah, 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 back and forth and back and forth. And it took them a while to actually adjust it to a point where both Alliance and Horde have the same advantage going into the thing. And it really comes down to what they do on the battlefield. Either side can do those things. It's balanced. It's balanced very well. Tolbarad is hideously unbalanced right now. And the part that sucks is that if you're on a server that's any kind of, you know, imbalanced population-wise, one side is going to be holding Tolbarad forever. And the other side will grab it late at night when nobody's online. <laughs> and that's the only time they're going to get Tolbarad. Well, that stinks, you know. Everybody should have an equal opportunity to get it. All, all I can say, for my opinion, is when it comes to Tolbarad, this is my one and only thought. When in doubt, blow it up. <laughs> I don't know. I really like the zone. I think it has a lot of potential. Like, I really like the PvP zone. I think it's fun. It's it's really frustrating if you're an attacker. If you're a defender, it's easy. But if you're an attacker, it's a heck of a lot harder to get anything done. And I mean, having been on both sides of the situation, being an attacker in Tolbarad really, really stinks right now. They just, they need to address it. They need to tweak it a little bit and it'll be perfect. And, and, you know, once they've tweaked it a little bit, once they've made it balanced, that's going to be a really fun battleground to play through, no matter which side you're on. Yeah. I had a lot of fun with it. I mean, you know, it's a really cool zone. The graphics are cool. Running through the place, it's got this really neat atmosphere to it when you're going through and fighting things. I, I just, I really like it. 
<laughs> I don't know why. I really like it. I like it so much that I hit Exalted with Hellscream's Reach. Nice. Like a couple of days ago. So, yeah. Which was fun, you know. Oh, uh, upcoming class changes. The post from the uh, blog post from Ghostcrawler. What do you think about that? Oh, the one where he was talking about what's going on with everything, like what they're planning in the future? It was pretty cool. I mean, I didn't really have anything huge in there because I play a rogue as my main. And the only thing that they mentioned is in regards to rogue is that they want to, you know, fix combat a little bit, like polish up revealing strike and you know, make it clear that combat, you're supposed to use a fast offhand weapon, it's not supposed to be two slow weapons, which is like, oh, no-brainer. But people were still doing it anyway. Um, combat has been kind of iffy on specs. Um, assassination is awesome. The mastery for it is awesome. I'm having a lot of fun playing it, but for combat rogues, they kind of got the shaft a little bit, so hopefully this will tweak it up a little bit. I, I think it's interesting, you know, they went through every class, and they talked a little bit about every class, and I like it. I like it when Ghostcrawler talks about stuff like this. Because you get a really clear look at what they're thinking about and, and where what direction they're thinking about going with it. And the and, and it also gives you a chance to offer, you know, feedback on how you think things are working. Because they do read this stuff. They do pay attention to this stuff. You know. I don't know. Did you see anything interesting in there on the paladin front? Or the hunter front? Well, uh, I, I I have to say that um, I was absolutely shocked that a post from Ghostcrawler can not only admit that paladins aren't perfect and may need a buff, but also gives them a buff. I, I was shocked. I, I, I must say utterly <laughs> shocked that the, the nerfer of paladins actually admitted they may need a buff. Yeah, they're not they're not performing quite quite where they want them to. It the thing is is going into an expansion like this, going into any expansion, you know, you have to let people play through it a little bit because you have to be able to observe what those people are doing and observe the numbers, you know, see what the gameplay is looking like. And that's when you can start to see imbalances, and once you've seen those imbalances, you can go ahead and address those. Again, they did the same thing in Wrath, um, particularly with Death Knights. Death Knights, I, man, the first two months of Wrath was nothing but Death Knight fix after Death Knight fix after Death Knight fix because they were trying to fit them all in, fit them in with all of the other classes without making them overpowered. So, I mean, I expected to see something like this. I didn't expect to see a, uh, a post from Ghostcrawler though that actually addressed it like this soon. It was kind of cool. Like I said, I, I was just really surprised that he actually, like, wasn't trying to nerf us. Like, he always is. Constantly. Eternally. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell a bit bitter about the nerfer of paladins? The guy admits he's a paladin. <laughs> he, he loves to nerf paladins. Oh, sorry. Bit of rant. My apologies. <laughs> I didn't mean to rant. I think it's fun that he's saying, you know, as far as stats go, that they want to make a pass to actual stats that aren't really attractive right now. Because, like, there are there are some classes... Okay, I play an assassination rogue. We don't pay attention to crit at all right now. It's not important. What's important to us is, you know, hitting the hit cap, expertise cap, and then haste. Well, excuse me, mastery and haste. Mastery is a really big part of assassination rogue's damage right now because it... It directly affects, you know, our poison damage. Well, our poison damage is a big chunk of the damage we do. So anything that, you know, affects that is automatically really, really cool. But crit, 
no point for crit with us right now. Like, people have done all the number crunching. There's no reason. So anytime I see a piece of crit on gear, I reforge it to something else. Because I don't need it. Feral tanks, I think they're not using haste right now. Mm-hmm. I think that... Uh, there's a few different there's a few different places where people aren't using haste or they aren't using you know there's like one stat out of those whole that whole section of secondary stats where people are saying you know after doing all of the number crunching don't stack this get rid of this if you can because you don't need it you you need this other thing so just reforge it out of there and don't worry about it well what ghost crawler is saying is that's not what they intended they they want to make all of the stats attractive you know, there shouldn't be any one clear path as to here's something you should get rid of, here's what you should be boosting. Because, again, that's cookie cutter, and they're trying to get out of that cookie cutter thing, right? Yeah. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to make all of the stats really attractive to people so that you have to pick and choose, you know, which individual ones you want. But those individual ones shouldn't really affect your DPS to an amount where you definitely want to be dropping something in favor of something else, I think. I think that's what they're going for. It's just a kind of a... They want to balance everything so that it doesn't matter what you choose. The only the only difference in what you're choosing is how you want to play. What's more fun for you to play. And, and I, I think that's a really good concept to be going with. I think I think that's the way it should be. I, get, I, 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 I would have to say that at this point we'll have to see what those changes become. I mean, Ghost Crawler, you've been admitted. These are tentative current plans. They may change. They oh, always yeah. may change. They always do. <laughs> yeah. It's kind, of, it's kind of an overview of what they've witnessed so far, and they're going to keep watching, and as they watch, they'll think more about the changes that they want to make. And after seeing this post from Ghost Crawler, I'm expecting that when they go over a little bit more, he'll give us another post about which is cool I, I really like the fact that they're keeping us updated I really do oh for sure I mean I, I, I definitely have no problem if they inform us more than they than they are always nice to hear that mm-hmm. <laughs> I prefer it rather than being left in the dark I'd like to know what they're up to I'd like to know what's coming before it happens personally I can brace myself <laughs> I, I mock because, you know, Ghostcrawler likes to nerf paladins, but he did admit that there are some issues, and I'm, I'm happy that they are noticing that there's issues, and that they are looking at ways to fix those. Whether or not those will actually overall fix the problems that are happening with the class, I don't know, but we'll have to wait and see. We'll find um, out. I must say, though, when, I, when I'm doing better in survivability on my druid than I am on my paladin, I think that's an issue. Something's a little bit weird with that, yeah, because uh, you got a plate wearer. <laughs> my, 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 my paladin wears plate. He should not is be your a druid, Is your druid like a feral tanking druid? or No, balance. So your boomkin is being a lot more survivable than your paladin who is wearing plate. Yeah. Yeah, that makes no sense. <laughs> I'm sorry, but feathers are not stronger than metal. Sorry. That makes no sense. <laughs> I don't know why not that's the really. case. Boomkins are tearing things up right now. Like, people that know how to play the Boomkins, they're blowing away the numbers. It's pretty cool. I'm curious, as a Horty, what do you what do you think about the Thrall then and now post they made? It was interesting. I mean, it went over stuff that I already knew. As far as, you know, what happened with him. I do like the concept art that they posted. Now, I've seen most of this concept art and stuff like this 
there was a pencil piece in there, and I don't know who did the pencil piece, but it looks like a really early piece of work, and I love it. He's wearing, like, the Doomhammer armor and stuff like that. Um, I like it when they do these little update posts where, you know, it makes it so that you don't have to buy the novels. This seems to be what they're doing, is they're kind of updating us on, on stuff so that you don't have to buy the novels if you don't want to. They'll, they'll feed you little updates here and there on the website via the blog. Um, it's nothing really earth-shattering. Ha 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 ha. No pun intended, I swear. But, you know, it talks about what happened with Thrall and where he's gone. He's gone from, you know, being that child that was a slave all the way up to being war chief and then realizing in being war chief, he wasn't being true to who he really was. So now he's in that, uh, you know, that slow progression of finding where he actually fits in the world. And I, you know, I know some people don't like Thrall. I, I still, I'm, I'm fond of the character. I, I, I don't know why. I'm just, I'm really fond of the character. I'm really glad though, that with the shattering and with Cataclysm, they're actually paying attention to his character and making his character grow because he was really static for a while. Like pretty much all throughout Vanilla. <laughs> what do you think? I like Thrall as a character. I like his ideals. I like his story. And I like that he was able and is currently able to forgive those who did such horrible things to him, which so few other people are able to do. However, I do see... I knew there was going to be a but. What's a but? How, there's no but. There's a however. There's a difference. However, I do see why a lot of people do not like him as a character, as a leader of the Horde, and I do understand the the theme and the uh, type of people that the orcs are, why there'd be a lot of people who would not be his his fans um, in the Horde. Advocates. Advocates for Thrall. Yeah. It... He, he, is, he is a very different person than the kind of orc that many of them, if not all of them, have always known. Bloodthirsty, warring you know, very aggressive. He's a peacemaker. He's not... Yeah, and he has... The thing about Thrall is that he had the best intentions of the Horde in mind. When he freed the orcs from the internment camps, he absolutely had the best interests of the orcs in mind. The thing was, is once he got them out of there, he decided that, okay, we're going to be shaman, we're going to be a peaceful race, and we're going to, you know, make nice with the humans and all these other people. And you have these guys that were stuck in internment camps for how long going, say what? Why? Dude, did you not see what they... You let us out. They had us locked up. Why do you want... They want to kill us. Why do you want to make friends? You know, there's no point in making friends. And to him, it seemed like a logical step to take because when he grew up as a child, you know, he had humans that were decent to him. He saw the decent side of what humanity could be. The rest of the orcs didn't have that exposure. They don't, you know, they just don't get it. There's a disconnect there. And the thing about Thrall was that when he let the orcs out of the internment camps, he was like maybe 18, 19, somewhere in there. And all of a sudden he was the leader of the horde. He never really had a chance to grow up. He never really had a chance to discover who he was. He never really had a chance to discover what being a shaman meant. He tried to mold the horde into this role that, you know, it was like he was trying to make the Horde an echo of himself. And, you know, maybe that was wrong yeah. for him to be doing. But he's stepped down. He's going to figure out where he fits in the world. 
and then maybe once he's figured that out, he'll come back and lead the horde again. If not, well, we do have Garage, who is... He's on the other end of the spectrum that Thrall was when he started leading the horde, but he's doing the same thing that Thrall was. He's learning. And I'm hoping that he learns sooner rather than later, because, you know, things are kind of going kerfuffle in the horde right now. Look at Sylvanas. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's going to be a problem. Yeah. Definitely be a problem. Yeah. And I look forward to helping the Horde clean up their mess again. Just like I did in Undercity. It's, well... It's, I, I you know... Sylvanas is just... She's turned into a really interesting character. Um, did you see there was there was a series of videos that were posted on G4 where uh, Alex... Oh, God. Afriospi. Afriospi, thank you. I'm, like, trying to remember his last name. Or trying to remember how to pronounce his last name. Anyway... He was posting overviews of all the zones and, like, giving a look into what was going to be coming in the future. One of the things that he talked about was Hyjal. And if you watch the Hyjal video, he talks about how in a later patch, Hyjal is going to be fully healed. And there will be dailies there to do. Which I think is really cool. That's got to be a phasing thing. Yeah, it's going to be a phasing thing. But what that means, and what this means to me, is that Cataclysm, unlike every expansion before it, it is not going to be an expansion of static storylines. They're mm-hmm. actually going to progress as time goes on. I mean, that's what it seems to be pointing to to me. And for somebody who absolutely freaking loves the lore, right? Like, nobody's business, you know me. The potential for this to be something really cool and different, I- I'm just, I'm really excited about it. I am really excited about it. And I'm hoping that that means that we'll see the progression of Sylvanas' storyline over the course of Cataclysm, you know? It won't be so much like just playing a static game as playing through a storybook. And that seems exciting to me. I'm kind of interested in seeing that, so, you know. Yeah. What do you, what do you think about the... Speaking of that Alex Rafferosby thing, what do you think uh-huh. about his hint as to a, a boss in Vashir? Oh, when he was talking about the animal gods? Yeah. I'm not sure what to think about that. I mean, we had the one, because Azamat, Azamat, he's not... He's not an old god, but he's like a servant of the old gods, but he's this giant freaking octopus, and apparently there are other servants of the old gods, like, you know, animal gods down there, too. Um, <laughs> Hastur just said in the chat channel, he said, Zol again. I'm really hoping it doesn't come down to that. I'm interested in seeing what kind of raid they put down there, you know, yeah. what kind of mechanics are going to be in whatever raid, but definitely, you know, the story behind it. So much happened in the Vashir storyline and playing through that zone. Yes, it was a very long zone, but as you got to the end, the story got really, really interesting. Yeah. And then it stopped. And I'm like, no, it can't stop there. It has to keep going. There's more stuff to explore here. I know there is. I don't know who the other animal gods are going to be. Um, they said that there were hints here and there, but... I am racking my brain over everything that I've seen in, like, the three or four times that I've played through Vashir, and I can't even... I, I don't know. I really don't know. You know, honestly, I, looking back through Vashir and Hyjal, which I've now played twice, the the stories do lead you to wanting to go into those instances. Yeah. I definitely want to go and face the bosses in the... The one in Hyjal there. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, so... The Flamespire or whatever it is? Yeah. I definitely want to go, you know, try and help Neptulon, if that's what you do, or 
kill him, whatever. Yeah, you you go to you go to Throne of the Tides. Yeah. Um, when you go to the Throne of the Tides instance, uh, you face that directly. It's kind of cool. Um, Firelands. Firelands is the raid that's supposed to be. It's actually um, supposed to be coming out in four point one. Yeah. Um, they talked about this a little bit, and it's the elemental plane of fire. You kind of go into it a little bit. There's that one quest line where you go through the gate portal. Well, you, you go into the fire lines three or four times, actually. When you go in yeah, and yeah. face the portal guy, uh, when you face against and you go in with Nemesis a and the Joasty yeah. one, those are all in the Firelands. Yeah, and the final boss in there is going to be Ragnaros, obviously, because you of didn't course. really defeat Ragnaros. We'll never just really kinda, defeat Ragnaros. He'll just be coming back again and again and again. Yeah, yeah. You just you pushed him back because all you did. He's going to keep coming back and we push him back again over and over and over again. But it should be, I don't know, it should be pretty cool. It should be pretty cool. The other thing that they were talking about was another five-man in Vashir called the Abyssal, Abyssal Maw. The Abyssal Maw, yeah. yeah. Um, there's a lot of moving around and stuff in it. They're They're... They said they're going to try and avoid the Oculus effect where there's that three-dimensional thing. I'm I'm hoping... I mean, the entire dungeon is going to be underwater. And they've overhauled the underwater combat, so you can, you know, fight normally if you're on the floor, but you can also jump in the air and swim, right? So I'm guessing that they're going to incorporate that in that dungeon, but they're going to try and do it in such a way that it's not Oculus. Because Oculus, Oculus was a really innovative idea that was implemented the wrong way. That's what Oculus ended up being. I mean, vehicular combat, it was a really cool idea. They just way overdid it with Oculus. And they didn't make the dungeon layout clear, and they didn't make it clear exactly what you had to do to get up to the next level. You know, that kind of thing? Yeah. So I'm hoping that they address that with Abyssal Maw. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else we're going to see in 4.1. But well, they, they did say that they're planning to do three, two or three raids per per patch, right? Yeah, yeah. The way that they're working it, the way that they seem to be working it right now with raids, is the raids don't take as long. There's not as many bosses in the raids, so it doesn't take you as long. You you don't spend a whole week on one dungeon once you've got that dungeon on farm. It's like they want to give people more options, which is really cool because. Uh, don't get me wrong, raiding in Wrath was pretty fun, but particularly towards the ends there, it, it just, there wasn't a lot to do, and it seemed like you were doing the same old stuff over and over and over and over again, right? And it got really boring. Well, they've made raiding accessible to just about everybody now. Like, pickup groups were going in, and they'd be fighting the Lich King. There were even pickup groups that successfully beat the Lich King. Don heroic, but they got their Kingslayer titles, right? Since they've done that, and that's kind of what they intended to do with raiding, they wanted to make raiding more accessible to everybody. Um, since they've done that, now they need to actually put out the content there so that all of these people that are suddenly open to the idea of raiding have something to do and they're not going to get bored with it right yeah. away. Yeah. And and I think... I can't wait to see... I, I really... I, I'm just fascinated with how this expansion is going. I mean, we're only a month into it. But already the feel of the expansion just seems to be so much different from any prior release of the game that we've seen. I, I can't wait to see where they're going with it, what they're going to do with it, you know? It's really exciting to see some of the content that they have, have hinted at, and it will be very exciting to see it actually come to fruition. So I'm really, really looking forward to that, and uh, hope to see lots of, uh, lots of more stuff as they get closer and closer to release. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. I think that's probably going to be about it. There was just a, uh, one more story I want to mention before we do finish up, though. Mm-hmm. A, a, a story online that was posted on, on WoW Insider, I believe, yesterday, discussed uh, an, an interview with director Duncan Jones, who basically explained that he felt that uh, the Warcraft movie was the most likely opportunity Hollywood had to break its unfortunate habit of doing crappy game movies. Um, what do you think of that? Yeah, it's, he's got the right point. He's got the right point about it. Um, he was talking about, you know, video game adaptations and, you know, the same thing almost, it applies to like book adaptations. People get so tied up in making sure that everything that makes that game or that book identifiable you know, they want to cram as much of that into the movie as possible that they completely miss out on the heart of what makes that subject matter so endearing to so many people. With Warcraft, you have so many people that follow it and you have so many people that are so incredibly passionate about it that it stands a really good chance that whatever that movie turns out to be about, whatever that movie involves, it's definitely going to have the same heart that the game does. You know, there's going to be the same spirit there as the game. It, They aren't as apt to focus on, well, we need to make sure that if we put a frost mage in there, he can totally cast ice block and all this other stuff. You know, they're not concentrating on that aspect of it. They're concentrating on the story side of it. Um, Chris Metzen was talking about this a little bit at BlizzCon, and he said that, he and Raimi, they like sat down and they kind of banged out some of the story ideas and stuff like that, and they made a lot of progress towards what they wanted that movie to be. The fact that Metzen and these other creative development people are tied in so closely with what's going to go on with the movie, it, it makes me really happy. And yeah, I, I think that probably we're going to see a movie that's actually a really good video game movie rather than, you know, something that's kind of so-so. Although, I don't know. Have you seen Tron? Speaking I'm of video game movies, tomorrow. did you see Tron? The new so, Tron? Shh. Oh, it's good. I heard it's really good. No, 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 no Tron That's all I have to say about it. That's, no I, hints, I, no spoilers, no leaks. Not going to say anything else about it, but but yeah, you'll like it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I I love the I if you I were a fan the of the original, original movie uh, yeah me and me and Ryder are going to see it tomorrow yeah um, yeah and uh, yeah I love the original looking forward to seeing a 3D follow up it is very pretty <laughs> I was always I was always very sad that they didn't do a second one fairly quickly but I have to imagine back then though the level of graphics and, and and special effects they had in that must have been for that time frame a lot of work I still. I, when you're talking about something like Tron versus something like Warcraft, honestly, I, I still think a Warcraft movie is going to be better just based on the amount of involvement that the team has with it. I mean, I don't know. I, I really liked how this guy put it, though, when he was talking about it. He what did, what did it say here? There was a quote there. He said, a good game adaptation is where you find the story or the emotional aspect that's at the heart of a computer game and you replicate that on film. It doesn't mean that you have to have first-person perspective or try and capture the mechanics of a game. Like, um... Oh... Oh... Let's talk about the Silent Hill movies for a minute. <laughs> did you see those? Um, no. I, I've intentionally stayed away from most video game <laughs> movies because they all pretty much... Bite. They, they bite. Yeah. Um, it was 
it was pretty terrible. It was, it was, it seemed like the, you know, they tried to get, you know, Pyramid Head in there, and they tried to get in. Have you played, have you played Silent Hill I at all? I played Silent Hill 2 once. Didn't like it. Oh, it's an amazing game. It's an amazing, like, the story behind Silent Hill and the mythos behind Silent Hill is so fascinating. Like, it's... It's it's really I started playing the games like back when the first Silent Hill came out and like it captured me like the second I started playing it because it was just this creepy little town there was all this weird stuff happening um, the way that we played it we had my roommate he played it at like 2 a.m. and then me and my other roommate we'd sit there and we watch him play so we're sitting there in this dark room as he's going through these creepy tunnels and there's all these creepy noises and things going on and we just got really absorbed into it um, it was a really good game it was a really good series of games the movie, when you got to the movie it was like they tried to put in everything that made the game cool but they forgot about the part that made the story cool you know and it was like, let's get all the mechanics in there, and we won't have to worry about the story, because people will be all excited. And no, it wasn't. It was really... We were cracking jokes through the whole thing, my roommate and I. <laughs> we were making several inappropriate comments. And the thing was, instead of people around us getting angry at us, they were laughing right along with us, because it was that bad. <laughs> so I'm hoping that's not what happens with Warcraft. And I don't think that's what's going to happen with Warcraft. Because these guys are really concerned with the heart of the game. They're concerned with that emotional tie into the game. You can see that with everything that they've done with Cataclysm, with the Shattering novel, with all of that other stuff. They're really invested in making the story something that's really compelling. So I can't wait. I really can't wait for them to get started on that. Sorry, what do you think it is about the Warcraft story that makes the potential for a movie to be so promising? Or is it that they're doing it right like they're taking the 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 path that they're taking is the right one to make it a good movie i think that they're being very very careful with their lore and they're being very very careful with how they approach it i am 99 percent certain that everybody that's on the creative development team has seen these other video game movies and seen what went wrong with them Blizzard is very, very good at looking at other things, seeing what's went wrong with them, improving them, and then implementing them into their own games, like in, you know, kind of an improved capacity or a different capacity. Um, they have... Oh, I wrote an article earlier this year where I was talking about the tenets of gameplay, like Blizzard's tenets of gameplay. Um, one of the one of the guys at one of the conventions, he, he did this big presentation on how Blizzard works on game design. And... Uh, it went over the way that he presented it it looked like what blizzard was trying to do like their biggest thing that they were keeping in mind is what makes it fun we need to make it so that it's fun if it's not fun then it's not worth playing and it's not a game right <laughs> well i think that they're looking at movie making kind of the same way where you know it has to be a movie that you want to watch so what are we going to pour in here what kind of story elements are we going to pour in here that'll make people want to watch it um the other thing that i think it really has going for it as far as movie potential is world of warcraft has an audience or a subscriber base of 12 million people if you don't think that you know at least half of those people are going to go see a warcraft movie in theaters you're crazy I mean, they stand to make a lot of money on something like that. And they don't have to spend a lot of money on CG to make it either, you know. I don't think that they do. They've, they've said that most of it's going to be live action. There's going to be very little CGI. 
Well, we'll, we'll see. And I'm really excited about the movie. I really want to see how, how it'll turn out. I know some people in the chat room are saying that they don't think it'll ever happen. I think we'll see something. Yeah, movie making's not, it's not a quick process. Um, it takes a... I think they shouldn't have announced it. Yeah, it, yeah. I think that they were kind of jumping a gun, jumping the gun a little bit when they announced it. Um, I think that they probably should have waited until they had like a director in place and a story in place before they did so. But I think they just wanted to let people know that that was something that was going to be happening, you know, soon, TM. But yeah, I, I just... I, I don't really foresee them having a problem selling the movie in theaters. I'm filling the seats. <laughs> no, no, it'll it'll do very well. But anyways, that's gonna be about it for this episode of All Things Azeroth. Uh, Shade, how about you tell people how they can find us? Well, you can reach us via phone and leave us a voicemail at one seven eight five ATA WOW five. That's one seven eight five two eight two nine six nine five. Uh, you can find our show on iTunes to download it. Chances are, if you're listening to a recorded version of this, you found it on iTunes. If you did, please go in, rate, review the show. We do like rating and reviewing. Uh, you can find us via email. Um, the main show account is show at allthingsazeroth.com. You can reach Medros at medros at allthingsazeroth.com. You can reach me at shade at allthingsazeroth.com. You can also find us on Twitter. Uh, the show account is allthingsaz. Please feel free to follow the Twitter account as we do do prizes on there from every now and again. Uh, Medros's account is Medros. My account is Shades O'Grey. That's Shades, the letter O, and G-R-E-Y. And then you can also follow Don Forge, which is the new Twitter account for the new website Dawn Forge. Um, let's see here. If you want to send an email to any of our segment people, uh, Warcraft Less Traveled is warcraftlesstraveled at gmail.com. If you want to send in a question for Ask Moo, that's askmoo42 at gmail.com. And I think that's about it. We probably want to mention the guild again. That's Heroes of Lord on Alliance side, Argent Dawn server. So if you feel like rolling an alt there and helping with the guild leveling experience, that would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, and... Uh... Definitely also also follow the Dawn Forge account, as well as go to thedawnforge.com to uh, check out any uh, upcoming podcasts that we'll be launching in the next little while. Um, I know a few people who are fans of all things Azeroth are uh, looking at doing podcasts, so we look, we look forward to having some new podcasts debuting there in the next month or so. I was going to say, we should probably just give a brief mention to our web host, yes, Dream Host. Yes, we, we should definitely mention DreamHost.com, and uh, if you use the code DEATHWING, you'll get $50 off of any new account, and uh, you go to DreamHost.com, you'll see all the really awesome stuff you start with, and it gets increasingly better. Like, you, your account gets more bandwidth, more disk space, everything increases as you go on. So definitely check them out, that's again, DreamHost.com. Plus, they're cool. Rare kerfuffles that happen, they solve them almost immediately. It's kind of neat. I do also recommend checking out WoW TCG Loot. They're really awesome. And, uh, yeah, again, thedawnforge.com is our, is our parent company now, so definitely check that out. Yeah, I think that's about it. Uh, check out our listener survey. Uh, you can find that in the show notes. Send questions to Ask Moo. We want Ask Moo to be a regular weekly pod- podcast edition, and we can't do that without more questions, guys. So definitely send those <laughs> to askmoo42 at gmail.com. So take care. Happy hunting, and we'll see you on the other side of the dragon. Exploding sheep. Or the exploding sheep. Whichever.
pasture is just a bit off. This has been a Dawn Forge production, copyright 2011. Find great podcasts and more at thedawnforge.com.